Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Well, hello. Here we are. Uh, we, we made it to December. We're here. Just look around you for a wee second. Look at the people next to you. These are the people we made it to December with. Uh, so, so just say to them right now, happy December. Uh, we made it. We made it. We are here. We have made it. It's lovely to, to be here with you all today and uh, share some things. Um, I don't know um, what era you grew up having Christmas as a child in. Uh, I grew up having Christmas as a child in the 90s. Uh, arguably the best time to grow up having Christmas as a child. All the students that are with us today are like, 90s, what? Uh, <laughs> Millennium bug, what? Um, so I grew up in the 90s probably thinking that the era 95, 96, 97 was like the best years to, to, to have Christmas. And uh, there was just a sort of look about Christmas in the 90s, wasn't there? Houses looked a certain way that, that we can picture in our minds. Um, if you came to our house at Christmas time, you probably wouldn't see any signs of it until about the 20th of December. And uh, there was just a sort of look of sparse tinsel uh, that was brought out every year. The same tinsel, same uh, sparse tinsel that never seemed to get replaced, but it was horrible looking. We kept on using it. Um, or if you sat in our living room, uh, you'd look up and you'd sort of see this garland around the wall that was kind of shimmery brown and silver in color. Um, and you kind of looked at it and you thought, how is that still hanging on? It's hanging on for dear life up there year after year, wondering how on earth it's still there. Well, there was one Christmas where, uh, where we decided to get a new TV. And that Christmas uh, was a very exciting time. We hadn't had a new TV for years. In fact, the TV we'd had was one that you had to actually go up to to press the button on it to change the channel. Um, so we were very excited to get this new TV. It was a black Sanyo VCR TV set. And... Um, the beauty of this VCR that came with the TV was that you could record TV shows. Much to my dad's delight, it was this thing called TV Plus where you put in a wee code using the TV guide. Do anyone remember that? It was like a wee code you put in and it magically recorded it for you onto a video. Um, and my dad was delighted about this, as I say, and he was glad because he was able to record his Christmas special of this comedy duo called Francie and Josie. Um, <laughs> And yep, another certain era, enjoying that. Um, and so he was able to record it on TV Plus. So he was delighted. So he got a, a cereal packet and cut a rectangle of the cereal packet and on the back of it wrote recording and put a wee squiggle on either side. And he placed this recording card in front of the VCR just to politely remind us, don't go anywhere near this VCR while we're recording this because I need to see this show. Anyway, along comes my mum, Jen Crawford. Um, uh, with her duster, uh, dusting everything in sight, and decided on this Christmas week to dust the VCR. 
so the calm of the Christmas atmosphere is just setting in, whereas all of a sudden, as my mum dusts the living room, all we hear is, Jim, Jim, I've done something. I've pressed something. Oh, no, Jim, Jim. And so the calm of that moment was shattered. And my dad's hope of a perfectly recorded Francie and Josie was shattered before our very <laughs> eyes. Um, or the other Christmas where um, we had the Christmas power cut. Sounds like a Netflix show, doesn't it? But it's a, it, was a, it was the Christmas power cut of 97. Where an hour and a half before we all looked forward to that delightful Christmas dinner. Our hope was shattered <laughs> because the, the power went out. Gran and Grandpa Crawford arrived and they were delighted to be there, but the power cut happened and it meant that our turkey had to be heated up in the microwave in 30-minute intervals, uh, meaning that each of our family members got their Christmas dinner at various points. I think Grandpa Wesley got it on Boxing Day at about half past nine. <laughs> but the hope of that perfect dinner was shattered. Um, or there's maybe those... Um, those adverts that you look forward to every year, the Christmas advert, and you're just hoping for that wholesome, Jesus-filled Christmas advert, Christmas-filled Christmas advert, and year after year, we're kind of let down, aren't we? And there was a few years ago, I don't know if you remember, that we were so close to having that hope fulfilled with Greg's, the Greg's Christmas advert, and the, the camera shone into this nativity scene, and in the manger was a sausage roll. And it might seem quite comical, but actually, it was quite sad, wasn't it, to see that happen and that hope of that Christmas advert that was just like, oh, this is amazing. Finally, someone's putting a bit of Jesus out there at Christmas. It was shattered. In fact, my mum and dad, Jim and Jen Crawford again, they actually wrote to Greg's and complained about it because <laughs> um, they were so unhappy. So I'm, I'm, I'm behind them. Um, but these are all trivial moments, aren't they, where our hope is, is shattered in life and our small, silly things. Um, but today I want to ask ourselves, I want us to ask ourselves what we do in those moments uh, where our walk with Jesus is maybe, maybe we lose sight of our hope, of who our hope is or what our hope is. Maybe we feel like sometimes in our walk with Jesus our responses from God have stopped. And maybe we sometimes actually feel like we are moments away from our hope being shattered. And perhaps even over the Christmas spell, that can feel a wee bit more amplified, can't it? If I can do anything this morning, I want to tell you that hope still remains. Our hope will be fulfilled. And the story of Christmas is the one of the main examples of, of why we should maintain our hope. It really is, isn't it? So, I wonder if Mary and Joseph, these big names we're about to hear for the next few weeks... <laughs> I wonder if, if they had a similar experience or similar feelings. This, I suppose, is a, a story which acts as the Bible's big bestseller at this time of year. But do we actually stop and think about these two people, Mary and Joseph? Maybe their hope was being tested and challenged as well. You're going to hear this passage a lot over the next few weeks, but let's read it. Let's read Luke 2 together. Um, and I hope you don't mind me going about this talk with this, this passage already, which I'm sure you'll hear on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve as well. Let's read Luke 2, 1 to 15 together. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. I wonder what that journey was like. That journey from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. 90 miles it was, roughly. 90 miles. Long, long time. What were their conversations, I wonder? What did they talk about? What was their expectation at that time? Did they have a lot of hope in those, those days? What were they hoping for things to actually look like and pan out like? It's a lot of time to be thinking, chatting, and reflecting on everything so far that they'd been told that was going to happen. I wonder if they actually did question God sometimes and what he was doing in it all. Let's read on. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, this casts my mind back to my childhood again, where I had this book called The Very Angry Innkeeper. And I can still picture it. It was red outline and really thin, shiny book. And this innkeeper that lived in Bethlehem, his 12 hours or however long it was, was brought to life. <laughs> and I just remember his anger was so tangible <laughs> at being woken up all the time, someone at his door all the time. Even the illustrator of the book made his clothes look angry. I don't know how that's possible, but he made his clothes look angry. And he was not happy to be interrupted in that night's sleep. But what were the goings on there? What was it actually like really for Mary and Joseph? What did they feel like as they arrived in those hours knowing that the place was jam-packed and there was nowhere actually for them to go? At their wit's end, was their hope again beginning to crack? They knocked at the doors of places. No, I'm sorry, there's nothing here, people. We can't have you. And that angry innkeeper, perhaps he was angry. We don't know. The, the stories have been depicted that way, haven't they? But he had to say, no, there's no space here. But we do have this other space, which was maybe a, a cattle shed, maybe a, some sort of cave, some sort of shelter. We were never told for sure. But it wasn't really where you'd put a baby to be born. And maybe at this point, they were just like, are you kidding me? This is where we're putting them? What? I mean, we definitely don't get that nowadays, do we? They were definitely obeying God, but surely it was testing them. In a few weeks, we, we played the song and we sang it today. And I just wonder if this song was, was almost like the, the soundtrack to what was going on. It was that line, you're the reason we came to encounter your love. But what's going on? Why, why is it here in this basic place. You're the reason we came. I can't help but imagine that was, if there'd been uh, Sonos players then, they probably would have had that on in the background. But anyway, let's read on again. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory uh, surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. And he said this, I bring you good news.
that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. Now there's our hope. In that one line, our hope is made clear. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly. Quite nicely the way they use that word, snugly. Glad he was snug. And strips of cloth lying in a manger. A basic manger. Manger from the verb in French, manger, to eat. This is where the food was eaten by these animals. Wasn't that a lovely wee bed? He was put in the lowest place, but yet he was the savior. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It must have all become clear in those moments for Mary and Joseph. It must have become clear when they saw what was before them now. Ah, so this is why we had to wait a wee bit longer. So this is what we were looking forward to. This is what we were putting our trust in. We see it, God, we see it. That very line which passes us by every year, it'll probably pass you by this year a few times, but I hope it doesn't. That, that line is the very cornerstone of our hope and our walk with Jesus. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. Some of you may know I'm, I'm a languages teacher, and a few years ago I decided to go back and, and add Spanish to, to, to my repertoire because I didn't want to just teach French. I thought it would be nice to speak another language. And I'd always wanted to learn Spanish, and so I went back to, um, to learn it over a couple of years at uni. And one of the, the things that stopped me from being able to teach it was because I had to spend a year in Spain, but I didn't have that year to take. So there was a course that existed in Malaga for three weeks in the summer that you could go on to, to condense that year into three weeks. And so it was quite expensive, but my head teacher at the time said that he would pay for it if it meant that I would do the course and be quali become qualified in it. And his kind of one condition was that, well, if I pay this for you, you're going to have a, a national class, a senior class next year to teach who will have an exam at the end. So I thought, I thought it was worth it, despite it being a, a worrying thing to have to then teach a senior class. And when I got that class, there was 12 pupils. It was one of my, my classes I'll always have in my mind from my, from my years of teaching. They were a wonderful class. And um, they, were, they were really bright, a bit too annoyingly bright. Uh, <laughs> And they were, like, they were always that one step ahead. And so I had to be just that kind of whisker ahead of them. And they kept me on my toes. And that was probably a good thing. And there's always a, a few verbs and words that I would find tricky to, to kind of get my head around or I'd get confused with. And one of them was this verb called esperar. Esperar. And um, I got confused because I thought it only had one meaning. But then I kept forgetting it had multiple meanings, and sometimes I would, I would think, oh, have I given the right verb here? Do I need to check it? No, it's correct. It's just the same, the same word for two different meanings. And this verb, esperar, is, is where I want to go a wee bit with the rest of today, because it has, its two meanings are of what you see there, to wait and to hope. To wait and to hope. And I want to kind of nod in the direction of both of those, those ideas today. 
and perhaps pepper your weeks ahead with some encouragement from those two, two ideas. So if we think of that idea of esperar, meaning to wait, perhaps you're, you're having that moment like Mary and Joseph when they realize that there's no room at the end. You're having that sort of no room at the end moment where you've had experiences which just seem like the wait and the perseverance isn't actually worth it in certain circumstances. We're willing for Jesus to show up. Where are you? But it seems like he hasn't shown up yet. We're here for you. We've come to encounter you. Well, Mary and Joseph had to take God at his word. That he said, that what he said would actually happen. The lead up to that was long, tricky, arduous, perhaps not in their desired timing. But if God says something's true, it's true. You see, God's timing and your timing are different. And anything significant that God is going to do in your life is probably going to take a bit longer than you want. But it's going to be a lot better than you could ever imagine. A lot better than you could ever imagine. If we look at Isaiah 40, this little passage says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and, get, and to him has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Youths shall faint and be weary. And young men me, shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the decision we have to make, people, when things don't happen the way we want or when things don't happen when we want, is to say, okay, God, I trust your timing. I absolutely trust that timing because his timing is always perfect, isn't it? You see, I think, as I was thinking about this, I realized that maybe God wakes us up in the middle of a storm to teach us a lesson. I think God does that to teach us a lesson because in some situations, like, for example, he may remove people we love. help us value what love is itself. He allows us to cry so hard that we can then see clearly when we open our eyes. I've had a really bad flu, by the way, so it's mainly because of that that I'm, I'm like this, just to let you know it genuinely is. He allows us to be bitter so that we can realize that there's actually no genuine happiness if we only think of our own needs and not others. You see, there's many times where God doesn't give us what we want in the way that we want, and it's because he really does love us. And, and he will crush your own plans before they crush you. So if you are struggling to trust him, people, realize that he's allowing you to wait through these storms to make you a wee bit more like him. You see, no matter how bad things can seem, one thing is always the same. It all ends 
it all ends. But what remains? Jesus, Jesus remains. The hope remains. So keep going. I promise it won't feel like this forever when you're going through those hard moments. What was the other meaning of that verb? It was to trust, to hope, to look forward to, to maintain your hope. Well, our story told us the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You see, the way was paved. We were told that we would have a Savior, someone that we can fully trust in and someone that we can expect to come back. Sometimes in our day-to-day, we forget that though, don't we? In our day-to-day, our days feel cluttered with worries. Our days feel cluttered with fears, things to do. And in those moments of what seems a bit like paralyzing stress, we again can feel like our hope is about to be shattered. And maybe that nobody's there. We start to say to ourselves, I just hope I can make it through this day. Or I just hope that really doesn't happen. Or I hope that class are nice to me today. Or I hope that pupil's not in, please. (laughs) And these day-to-day hopes are weak. They're weak things. They're human things. They're based on what we think are the ways that should we should be handling ourselves in the way that we think our, should, our days should go. But if we actually say to ourselves, Lord, help me to remember that I belong to you and that you're not the author of this fear and anxiety. Remind me to come to you in those cluttered moments, those horrible days when the enemy would rather that I actually stayed away. And We should keep looking forward and maintaining our trust and hope because we have an inheritance to look forward to. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because, this is cool, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, say it, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Perhaps we need to ask God to forgive us for trying to handle things on our own. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves to say that we want to actually trust him, actually stop and say, okay, God, I do want to trust you in this, and I do want to lay it all at your feet. Because even when we can't see it, he's actually at work in us. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Even when we can't actually feel it, he is changing us. But we must maintain our hope and trust. We must do that. God, he makes things all new. He makes all things new. And he says in Malachi 4.2, and I heard this a few weeks ago when our pastor from the States was over, and I really like this verse. And this is what I want to kind of just draw to a close with. It says this, but for you who fear my name, the Son 
S-U-N, sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Or in another version, you will frolic like well-fed calves. Let me read that verse again. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You see the, the, the rays that the, that the sun gave out, that's what the wings are describing there. The wings are like those rays of the sun which spread far and which provide healing. And it's like Jesus being that, that sun. In Matthew 14, it says they were begging him that they might touch him. And people were trying to get a touch of Jesus, even his cloak, even if only the outer edge of his clothing. And those who touched him were healed. Jesus will be like a healing warmth of the sun to those who put their trust in him. He may ask you to wait. He may ask you to stop and remind yourself of what your hope actually is. But through Jesus Christ, our lives are filled with hope. This hope for the future becomes ours when we trust God with all our lives. Regardless of how your life looks right now, isn't it quite exciting to know that God controls that future? Everything will be made right. All we need to do is ask and believe. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. I've got a few challenges for you today. Three, this line that you're going to hear a lot, I'm sure, over the weeks to come, I'd like you to write it down at some point this week and put it up somewhere. Put that line up somewhere in your house, somewhere that you're often in that room, the kitchen, the bathroom, wherever it is, I don't know. Maybe not the bathroom, it might get a bit wet. Then also, when you see that nativity scene every time, look for the calves, or look for the cows, anyway, and be reminded of that hope that we have. Imagine just leaping with joy, knowing that you're fulfilled, you're nourished, you're fed, leaping out of the stall. That is what, what Jesus brings to us if we place our hope in him. And finally, look back for those times where you knew that your hope was actually fulfilled and not shattered. Please do that. Those are the times where God has truly shown himself in your life. I want to pray for you as you go into this week. Thank you for bearing with me and my, my croakiness. Um, and I hope there's been some encouragement peppered into your, your weeks ahead through the scriptures and the thoughts that we've, we've heard today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, for the hope that we have in you. A hope that we sometimes feel has been diminished through the days and weeks that we experience. However, we are going to experience over the weeks to come many reminders of what your purpose was and what your purpose is. We thank you that you are our Savior, Lord, and that is what our hope is in. You coming to save us one day when we will be healed, when all the hardships of life will be gone, all the pains, all the difficulties, all the worries. May we put our hope fully in you this Christmas. May this Christmas story remind us
of how hard it can be, but remind us of how much it's worth it to wait and to keep hoping in you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for the gift that you are. We thank you for being born and we thank you for dying on the cross. And we thank you that one day you will come back to save us and reconcile us from all our sins. In your precious name, amen.